On Sunday morning, December 7, 1941, in Oahu, Hawaii, U.S. Navy sailor Stan Van Hoos was stationed on the USS Maryland. It was one of eight battleships anchored in Pearl Harbor. Shortly before 8 a.m., 181 Japanese fighter planes descended upon the U.S. Navy fleet as the first wave of surprise attack. Less than two hours later, 21 ships of the U.S. Pacific Fleet were either sunk or damaged, including the USS Maryland. Today, Team Day will be honoring Pearl Harbor survivor and World War II Navy veteran Mr. Stan Van Hoos and World War II Navy veteran Mr. George Olson from the Dwight Foster Public Library in Fort Atkinson. We'll be right back with their stories of bravery and courage. You're listening to the special Teen Day presentation of the 2018 Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day broadcast sponsored by the U.S. Veterans Project Library. Fort Community Credit Union is owned by their account holders or members, where every member has the same share no matter how much money is in their account. With more than 32,000 no-fee ATMs nationwide and a free mobile app, FCCU wants to make banking easy for you. Membership is open to anyone living or working in Dane, Dodge, Jefferson, Rock, Walworth, and Waukesha County. Details are available by visiting fortcommunity.com. My name is Jim. I'm a veteran, and I lost both legs in Vietnam. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. I'm Julius. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Did you know there actually is a fort in Fort Atkinson? The fort is known for the Horde Historical Museum, Jones Dairy Farm, and the Fireside Dinner Theater. But there is so much more to see in Fort Atkinson. Why not discover something new? Let FortChamber.com take you on an adventure this month. Click the Visit tab and enjoy. That's FortChamber.com and click the Visit tab. You may also visit the Welcome Center at 244 North Main Street in downtown Fort Atkinson. What happens when you pair veteran, service members, military family members, and caregivers with the arts? You get the Armed Services Arts Partnership, or ASAP. They're a nonprofit that provides participants with transferable life skills, a renewed sense of purpose, and improved well-being, while strengthening ties between veterans and their communities through the arts. Visit ASAP, ASAP.org, to learn more about their programs or to make a donation. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our commemoration program here at Pearl Harbor on this December the 7th, 2018. Pearl Harbor Day, recognized around the United States and around the world. We are honored this evening to have two guests, Mr. Stan Van Hoos on the far side. He served us at Pearl Harbor on the USS Maryland. He was there the day the attack was launched by the Imperial Japanese Navy and Air. Our other veteran here is Mr. George Olson, a World War II veteran who served in the Pacific Theater, involved in the first, shall we say, launch and attack of the Japanese kamikaze aircraft initiated in the Pacific Theater during World War II. 
and George and Stan are very good friends, and they will share the uh, question and answer period this evening. We also want to welcome this evening the spare parts. Now wait, don't laugh, don't laugh. These four ladies up here are not spare parts, believe me. They are a musical quartet, and uh, they are going to render some beautiful music for us this evening. Before we start the program, I guess I better mention my name. Don Villar is the name. Uh, I hold a, a small title of the Veterans Liaison Consult here from Jefferson County. I share my time up here at the CVSO office with the Yvonne Dutherhoff, our CVSO officer here in Jefferson County. I've had the pleasure of helping uh, organize this program this evening. Uh, it's so wonderful to see all you people here to to honor our veterans here who served at Pearl Harbor uh, during World War II. We're so blessed to have them with us this evening. Now, going back to our spare parts here, these ladies will uh, offer a, a, some musical, patriotic music for us. And before we start now, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, remove your covers for the presentation of the colors, and the spare parts will sing the national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs were singing Thank you, ladies. Thank you very much. Now, to carry on our program. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, to continue with our program, our moderator for the evening and the president and, shall we say, CEO of Vetsroll.org, Mark Finnegan, is with us now. He is going to moderate our program for us. And the sheets that you have, if you're passing towards the center, uh, we'll bring them forward to, uh, for Stan and George to respond to your questions. Mark, if you will. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate the opportunity to come here to Fort. Uh, we got a full house here. That's great. And uh, I want to thank Don for putting this together. Uh, and Dan, thank you, too, for doing this, too. Appreciate it. My name is uh, Mark Finnegan. Um, my brother and I, uh, we founded the Vets Roll Program back in February 2010. If you go to vetsroll.org on Facebook, we have about 84,000 followers on our Facebook page. And uh, you go there and we'll post it on that page as well as YouTube. So how many of you have been on a Vetsroll trip? There's a lot of you that have. Yeah, this is great. You know, I'm 
half hour away from town. I feel like I'm at home here. Over the years of doing Vetro, we've had, I believe, six Pearl Harbor veterans that have done our trip. Four of those have passed away. Um, there's still two that I know of. One is Stan, lives down in Beloit. He was on the USS Maryland, the battleship. I'll just give you a quick backstory of why we started our program. We're in the RV business in Beloit. Next year will be our 50th year in the RV business. My father was a World War II Navy vet in the South Pacific. He served 44, 45, 46, and uh, very proud of his service to the country like he should be. Well, he passed away after a brutal battle of cancer on January 4th of 2000. So true to the makeup of that greatest generation, he never complained about it. You know, in growing up, you know, but a lot of you would feel the same way. The adults around us were all World War II vets or Korean vets, and we never thought to sit down, for the most part, and thank them for what they did. Um, and it's just incredible. My dad's been gone almost 19 years now, and I never sat down and had that heart-to-heart. I go around, I talk to a lot of schools and whatnot, a lot of students, and one thing I, I try to make a point of, as, as you go through your school years or as you go to wherever you go, you see all these people wearing these veteran hats. Purple Heart from Vietnam right here. That means he was wounded in action in Vietnam. These gentlemen and these ladies that wear these veteran hats, that's a badge of honor, okay? And I ask you, if you have any, any of the adults in the room, if you're lucky enough to have combat veterans especially, but if you have veterans in your lives, and especially the greatest generation, which would be, you know, your Korea back through World War II, if you have them in your lives, you need to sit down and pull out that smartphone and say, hey, Grandpa, can you tell me about the story underneath your hat? Those World War II vets are passing away so fast. Does anybody in the room know what age the youngest World War II vet is right now? The youngest. They're 90 years old, the very youngest. If they were 17 years old, the day the Japanese surrendered, they're now 90 years old. The bulk of them in the U.S. now are 92 to 95. That's, that's where most of them are at. And we have a few. Stan just turned 98 last month. Um, George turned 92, right? I'll give away the secret there, yeah. Um, my mother is a Rosetta Riveter from World War II. She's still living. She was, she's going to be 93 next month. These folks are moving on. Time doesn't wait. And it's incumbent on us to keep history from repeating itself because there's people out there that deny certain horrors ever happened in history. And these are the people that lived it in color. you got to talk to the ones that lived it in color and get those honest, heartfelt stories. And we have the capabilities now with these smartphones that not only can we take their pictures and whatnot, but we can record them. So even when they're gone, when these three up here have their grand, see, I'm picking on you again. When they have their own grandkids, which you will someday, you can sit down and say, hey, this is what great-great-grandpa sounded like. You can hear their voice. You can see when they tear up telling a story that might, might hit them in a certain way. You can hear the sound of their laughter, the color of their teeth, the color of their eyes, the color of their skin. We can't do that. None of us know what our forefathers and mothers sounded like or what they looked like. We have that technology now to keep that on forever. And it's really important. You know, you've you got to keep that history alive because there's people out there that deny the Holocaust ever happened. And obviously it did. Actually, Gil was involved in Europe, right? He was with the Third Army, if I remember right. Yeah. So, you know, he was right there with the concentration camps when they were moving in and, and finding out the horrors that happened there in Germany and things like that in Austria. But we have to get these stories. Not as important to write them down. It's more important to get them in video. Get those those captions when they're telling them. 
And if they start to tear up and things like that, that's that's fine. It comes from the heart. That's called closure, too. And with Vetch Roll, that's one of our taglines is closure, gratitude, and respect. And uh, kind of getting back to our Vetro program, uh, when my father passed away in January 2000, we wanted to do something in his legacy. You know, his name was Finnegan, so everybody's heard of Finnegan's Wake. You know, we thought about having a big celebration at his funeral, but it, it didn't feel right, you know, after seven years of cancer and whatnot. We waited, and we were thinking, you know, we'll think of something we need to do to honor her father. Well, then I had a sister-in-law who was a, a major in the Army during Vietnam. She was a combat nurse. And she saw some horrific things in um, Southeast Asia. She, uh, unfortunately, she succumbed to MS and she passed away Christmas Eve of 2003. And in May of 2004, they buried her at Arlington National Cemetery in Washington. And we went out there and had never seen the pageantry of an officer's funeral in uh, at Arlington. It's an incredible thing what they do there. And we went out for her burial, and we thought, man, that's what we got to do. we got to honor our father's service. And so that's where the idea came about. And then later on, I think in 2009, we heard about the wonderful Honor Flight Program, which is nationwide. There's 140-some Honor Flight Programs around the country. They call them hubs. There's a big one right here in Madison called Badger Honor Flight. Another one in Milwaukee is one of the biggest in the nation. And we learned what they were doing. And if you don't know, with Honor Flight, they take a one-day trip. They take veterans, like, say, out of Madison. They're veterans out of south-central Wisconsin. And they leave early in the morning. They fly to D.C. They get on buses, and they tour the memorials there. And then they'll go back to probably Reagan Airport, and they'll fly back home. And you have these huge homecomings, and it's just a wonderful program. We love the concept of, of Honor Flight, and we're not in competition with them. But what we wanted to do, being an RV dealer, is we thought, man, why don't we slow it down? Let's see if we can offer a similar program doing it with RVs, see how long it takes, what the cost would be, but slow it down and give them time to talk, to build relationships, to build friendships, share those hotels at night. That's what's really important about it. We did that first trip May of 2010. We announced publicly on Janesville Radio March 17th of 2010 what we were going to do. Now, if you're Irish, you know March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, we announced that we were going to take these veterans out. We didn't have the first veteran signed up. We didn't have the first dollar raised. And yet in 60 days, people understood the need for what we were about to do with Vets Roll. And in 60 days, we had 117 World War II vets. Every one of them was World War II. 117 World War II vets, eight Rosie Derivators. And we had about 60 assistants that signed up, and we raised almost $90,000 in 60 days. And we took that trip, and it went off perfect. And George, you were on the first trip. Jug, you were on the first trip. Anybody else in from the 2010 trip? There's not a lot of them left, unfortunately. But we went on that trip, and it was just amazing. And we had no idea it would be so so life-changing. And we got back to Beloit and thought, man, we did a good thing, pat ourselves on the back and go back to selling RVs. My life was changed forever. My phone never stopped ringing. And uh, luckily, our family attorney was a Korean War vet. And he was able to fast-track us with the IRS to get a 501c3, which is a nonprofit. And if you're going to raise money, you need to be a 501c3. So in about three and a half months, we got our nonprofit status. And so we said, okay, we'll do one more trip. And we opened it up to the Korean War vets. And we decided to go to all buses the second year. The first year, it was nine RVs and three buses. 
but the RVs weren't efficient for moving people that far. So the next year we went to 10 buses and we put that one on. Well, man, it went off just great. And so now we took 400 people on that group. We had 200 veterans of 1963 and earlier. Um, we had about 170 assistants and uh, just an amazing trip. That is marking about the 1,750th veteran in Rosita River we've been able to take to D.C. on the trip of a lifetime free of charge. Now, one of the really big differences with Vets Roll is that our vets don't geographically come from south-central Wisconsin. Actually, mo most of them have come out of Illinois, the majority of them. But the veteran from Fort Atkinson could be riding on bus number eight with a veteran from Los Angeles and one from Mississippi and one from Minnesota, and one from Florida. And Sunday morning when we roll out of Beloit, they're all strangers. Okay, They're all veterans, but they're all strangers. And by the time we get to our first stop down in Indiana for breakfast, all of a sudden they're 220 brothers and sisters, and they've only been apart for 60 or 70 years. They've all got that string that runs through them, that, that pride in serving this country. And it sparks conversation, sparks friendships. And it continues on. And that's what we learned as the years went on with Vetrol is the closure that happens. We had two Korean War veterans on this year's trip. They enlisted together. It's the last they ever saw of each other. And we were doing mail call. And what we do is, we, and Honor Flight does this too. We actually copied the idea from Honor Flight. We love it. And uh, we have letters the school kids will write to the vets. And then the uh, their families will write letters. And we'll have Uncle Sam come in and deliver their final mail call and just to thank them for their service. Because if you think about it, how many of you veterans were deployed around the around the world outside the U.S.? A lot of you were. Yeah, oh man, almost the whole room. I'm sure you would agree with me, mail call was probably the single biggest event to keep you going while you were, you were deployed. You're teenagers, you're young 20s, you don't have family. you got friends, but you don't have family. And you look forward to those, those letters coming from home. In World War II, they called it V-mail. And my mom still has all these V-mails and my dad. I don't know how they would think of enough, but they would write three, four times a week. And it was amazing. The censors would cut sentences right out of them because they had to make sure they didn't tip off the enemy and stuff. But mail call was so important. And it, it gave them that bond, gave them that hope to get back home. And we had the final mail call while we were on the road. Well, this year we had two vets, I don't even remember where they lived, that heard each other's name in mail call. They, they got together. And the one heard the other guy's name called off and vice versa. And all of a sudden, they reunited after 60 years from when they had enlisted. And they just ended up on the same vetrol trip. And now they've struck up this relationship, this friendship. And I guess to cement the closure part of it, we now have had veterans from 36 different states come here to Rock County to go on the vetrol trip on those first nine trips. I think next year's trip alone, we have 16 states on that one. And... What's neat is they get the closure. Like I say, they all have that common brotherhood that runs through them, and it cements that closure. And every September, and I don't know how many of you have been to our, our reunion that we do in Beloit in September, we have a Sunday every year. It's when the Packers and Bears are either not playing or playing late. And we'll have a reunion in Beloit at the Equip Center from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., just three-hour picnic. And this year we had just shy of 800 people that came for a three-hour picnic. That's closure. That's that's like getting back with your class reunion, and they, they want to see bus seven from 2012. You know, they want to get together, and, and then in tribute, we play a PowerPoint on the screen of all the vets that have left us, 
And out of the 1,700 and some vets that have been on our trip, we've already lost close to 400 of them. So, you know, that's over 20% of the vets that have been able to go on this trip have been called home. So it's really important to us. But it's all as a thank you to our veterans for serving our country. This next song is This Is My Country with a little twist at the end. Is <laughs> there a man with soul so dead who never to himself has said this is my own, my native land. This is my native land. This is my country, land of my birth. This is my country, grandest on earth. America, the bold, for this is my country to have and to hold, to hold. Hooray for the flag of the free, may it wave as a vision forever, the gem of the land and the sea. It's the banner of the right, of the right. We'll always remember the day when our fathers with mighty endeavor proclaim as they march to the fray that by their might and by their right it waves forever, forever the USA. Fort Community Credit Union is owned by their account holders or members, where every member has the same share no matter how much money is in their account. With more than 32,000 no-fee ATMs nationwide and a free mobile app, FCCU wants to make banking easy for you. Membership is open to anyone living or working in Dane, Dodge, Jefferson, Rock, Walworth, and Waukesha counties. Details are available by visiting fortcommunity.com. As far back as she can remember, Amy loved computers, how they worked, what they could do. They were a challenge. She wanted to learn as much as she could. So she harnessed her passion, and now she's a cybersecurity officer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling, we have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are a few of the things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. Visit willyouc1.org to help change one life in your community today. Military members need those moments of grounding and love during chaotic and dangerous deployments. Families worry when they don't hear from them. A phone call home can mean all the difference. Donate a gently used mobile phone or make a donation at 
www.cellphonesforsoldiers.com. Your donations purchase free calling cards for our troops to call home. It's the least we could do for those who do so much for us. The next one we'll do is God Bless America. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, wide with God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home, my home sweet home. America, Representatives, I have the distinguished honor of presenting the President of the United States. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan, was still in conversation with its government and its emperor, looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Indeed, one hour after Japanese air squadrons had commenced bombing in the American island of Oahu, the Japanese ambassador to the United States and his colleague delivered to our Secretary of State a formal reply to a recent American message. And while this reply stated that it seemed useless to continue the existing diplomatic negotiations, it contained no threat or hint of war or of armed attack. It will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. During the intervening time, the Japanese government has deliberately sought to deceive the United States by false statements and expressions of hope.
for continued peace. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. Yesterday, the Japanese government also launched an attack against Malaya. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Hong Kong. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Guam. Last night, Japanese forces attacked the Philippine Islands. Last night, the Japanese attacked Wake Island. And this morning, the Japanese attacked Midway Island. Japan has therefore undertaken a surprise offensive extending throughout the Pacific area. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. The people of the United States have already formed their opinions and well understand the implications to the very light and safety of our nation. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, but always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. Hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed 
between the United States and the Japanese Empire. I'm so honored, you know, I'm nervous coming up here because I have this American history riding with me in the in the car on the way up, you know, and you just hope everything goes smooth and everybody gets home happy and healthy. And uh, if you ever look at the pictures of Pearl Harbor, a lot of times you'll see the one where the battleship is there and the one's rolled over next to it. Uh, that was the Oklahoma that was tied off to the Maryland, the sand ship. And the Oklahoma basically saved Stan's life because... The torpedoes hit the Oklahoma. It listed over and it went down, I believe, in 30 minutes or less than 30 minutes, I believe, it went down. And uh, Stan's ship was pretty well shielded. His ship was also, I believe, two ships behind the Arizona, correct? I, I believe it was. And, uh, of course, everybody's seen the, the horrible pictures of the Arizona going up when the magazine was hit. And Stan served on the, on the Maryland that day, um, went through some horrific things. But, you know, you think Pearl Harbor, my gosh, that's amazing. But he went on to fight in six other battles after Pearl Harbor during the course of, of it. Uh, you know, and it's just, it's incredible history here with us. And, uh, you know, Stan can cover that with you. Uh, and then the other gentleman, George Olson here, um, just an incredible story himself. Uh, Navy veteran, went in in 1944. And uh, how many of you under 12 have heard of Iwo Jima? You ever heard of Iwo Jima? Are you familiar with you ever heard of that? I bet you have, haven't you? No? You see the picture of the military where the guys are hoisting the flag up? And have you seen that? Hopefully, you will. You will. That's the, the Battle of Iwo Jima. And that occurred in, um, it would have been March of, yeah, 45. Um, just horrific fighting and whatnot. Well, Georgia's ship, the USS Twiggs, was stationed off Iwo Jima and actually started advanced bombardment over the island before the invasion of Iwo Jima. And then you were there for just about a month, uh, shelling the island and patrolling around and protecting the, the Marines on, on shore. And George can cover that for you. But after Iwo Jima, they went back for two weeks of rest and recuperation. Two weeks. Shipped out for Okinawa after that and spent two and a half months off of Okinawa, shelling the island there too. And, uh, was hit by numerous kamikazes. And um, in the final one, uh, a Japanese plane slipped under the radar, and uh, I guess it would have been under the radar, and uh, came in low, hit him with a torpedo in the front of the ship, circled back around and came back in and, and put his plane into the ship and sunk it. And uh, George was one of very few survivors off the twigs and uh, obviously didn't have time to get a life jacket or anything and just clung on to some debris in the water until he was rescued. So. You know, that's walking history right there. Stan, how often do you think about Pearl Harbor? That action never goes away from me. I, I forget so many things. But my life in the Navy was a proud thing of my young life. My mother liked to have a fit for my going in. She wanted me to get a job in a coal mine and take care of her when my dad died and uh, she got old. And I said, Mom, uh, you got another son that's a coal hunter, and I don't intend to be in any place in Kentucky. As soon as I'm out of high school, I'm going to the Navy because I like traveling and I like to see and, and I like to change ships to go to different uh, places. And I've seen most of the world and danced with most of the girls in the world. <laughs> and, 
I really enjoyed it. I think that the Navy was the most education thing I could ever had because I seen so many people, I seen so many friends, I seen so much of life that God gives to people. Next question is for George. Uh, George, when your ship was torpedoed in Kamikaze, uh, were you more scared or were you angry? Do you recall? <clears throat> I, I can't uh, differentiate between those two things. That uh, uh, when that happens, uh, something kicks in that uh, takes over, and um, it it just. Um, it was just a struggle for life uh, after that happened. That's, that's all I can say at that point uh, on it. And George's part of the ship, the section he was in as they went down, the ship listed over. And uh, he was telling us earlier today, he was one of, of three guys in that one compartment. Yeah. And uh, go ahead and tell the story you told this morning about that. Well, uh when the ship uh, finally started uh, sinking uh, rapidly, there was three of us left in this compartment. It was the last uh, way to get out of the ship, and uh, the uh, ladder that uh, went up to the deck was at right angles to the uh, floor. He was like trying to crawl out the side of a wall with the ladder. You get your hands on the ladder, and your feet were hanging down. But I, I got up to the... Uh, to the hatch, I got my shoulders and my head out the hatch, and the, the water, the the air was rushing out of that hatch so fast because the ship was going down, pushing all the air out. It just blew me out of there like a cork. I landed in the water. I looked around. There was no ship. The other two guys never, never showed up. Two 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 other men. And their names? Frederick Krause, and the, the other the other man was also named George Olson. Isn't that amazing? But, uh, they, I I uh, I can't get them out of my mind. I think about them all the time. But, uh, always always wonder what what happened. Next question will be for Stan. They want to know how long you served in the Navy, Stan. Eight years. Nineteen. I had planned to send twenty plus. It was August sixth of forty to August sixth of forty eight. Correct. Uh, August the twentieth. And I come out the twins. Okay, 40 to 48. So. And uh, next one for George. You want to know what your job was in the Navy? Well, the Navy the Navy trained me to be a motor machinist mate. I went to two different trade schools in the Navy. And uh, then they put me on a uh, troop ship, sent me out to the South Pacific, assigned me to a destroyer. I got on board, and I says, I've got papers that say I'm to be assigned for motor machinist mate training and uh, duty. And they said, well, we're sorry we don't have any need for that. You'll be in the fire room. So I was in number one fire room attending the boilers. We had uh, four boilers. Each boiler was rated at 15,000 horsepower. So we had 60,000 horsepower. We kept the steam pressure at 625 pounds. And our job was to keep the boilers going to keep the steam pressure up at that rate all of the time. That was my regular duty. Then we were at general quarters, which was probably 50% of the time. I was an ammunition handler below one of the uh, five-inch guns. 
Stan, what was your job description classification in the Navy? I was a navigator on the Maryland uh, battleship. Next question now, 77 years ago this morning, did the military in Hawaii have any information about a possible attack on Pearl Harbor? No, no. the old battleships were there, and newer ships were nobody knew about were on, on the water. Our next question is actually for both of you. Uh, they would like to know, were you, George, if you want to go first, were you married while you were overseas? No, no. I was uh, I was 17 when I joined the Navy. I was 18 when I was in battle, and I was 19 when I got discharged. And Stan, they well, want to know, were you married while you were overseas? Uh, no. Uh, I met my first wife in uh, San Francisco on the dance floor. Um um, this next question would be uh, really for both of you. Stan, I'll go with you first. What is the most important message you would like to relay to students for staying out of a war? I wouldn't invite anybody to stay out of war. This country is ours. And if we let somebody else come in and tell us how to do it and start taking it away from us, and they didn't fight, they're no friend of mine. I've seen too many men die to not fight for my country. And it didn't bother me at all. After the Midway battle was over with, they come back to the States. They had a bulletin on the, all the boards of the ship for people uh, for a certain job. They didn't say what it was, they wouldn't tell us. And I decided I'd leave the battleship and do something else. Uh, when I got into it, uh, seven nine nine hundred men volunteered. And when we were in San Francisco, we fought each other. And when the guys saw what we were doing, some of them dropped out because they didn't want to fight each other and, and exercise and learn to do what we're going to do later. Three months we did that job, and there's hundred of us left. And they divided us in four different sections. And 25 men went from different parts of the country. Thank God I got to stay in the Pacific. And they put me on a navigation ship. And some would come and get us when they had, had workforce to do and fighting, uh, sneaking into territories to get information. And I made four four fights into that deal, and I was on that ship till uh, about fourteen months or five fifteen months, and we were winning the war so much uh, they gave me shore duty uh, in San Francisco area for uh, the rest of the war, which was about nine months. Then I got. I re-enlisted re for another two years, uh, just before the war was ended, and then I re-enlisted again uh, in 46. George, um, what, what would your uh, message be to the, the students in the, in the audience here today for us to stay out of a war? Do you, do you not agree that we should stay out of a war? Well, I think the... Uh thing is to learn to uh, respect each other, recognize that uh, people have different opinions, but learn to accept 
their opinions as well as your own. Be true to yourself. Be faithful. Learn to learn to get along with other people. So we'll never again see a, a military battle with the numbers of, of military personnel that we had in World War II. You had 16 and a half million people in the uh, military in World War II. 16 and a half million. Isn't that amazing? Stan, uh, he was in seven battles. It was Pearl Harbor, Guadalcanal, Russell Islands, and Peleliu. Um, also, it earned a Purple Heart, but refused the Purple Heart because he didn't feel that he deserved it. His four battle stars, plus he was at Midway Atoll, Solomon Islands, and Tarawa. Now, George, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, you were a month off Iwo Jima, two and a half months off Okinawa. You were in the Philippines too, correct, before you went to Iwo? Uh, the ship I was on was in the Philippines okay, okay. before I uh, got on board. Okay. I mean, that's, that's pedigree. You know, there's <laughs> no two ways about it. Yeah. This is living history right here. The last one I have up here isn't really a question, but I love what they wrote. I just want to say thank you. I don't know who wrote that, but good job. That's really a, a great way to sum it up. They want to say thank you. So, um, is there any other questions we, we might have out here? Uh, let's go with George first. What was your uh, feeling that when the government announced that the war was over? Or how soon did you hear about it, too? Within a day? <coughs> Well, I, I really don't know how soon I heard about it. I, I imagine I heard about it at the, at the time it happened. Um, but uh, we were very excited and elated and, and uh, glad to know that uh, we were going to be out of harm's way again. I'd like to make a couple of comments about uh, Okinawa. Um, Okinawa was, a, was the largest uh, naval battle this country's ever had. Uh, it was 5,038 sailors killed at Okinawa. It was 5,913 uh, 5, of them wounded. Most of them were from destroyers. There were over 200 destroyers of all types that took part. 122 of them were either damaged, mostly by kamikaze attacks. 41 were either sunk or uh, outright considered a total loss. At Okinawa, there was two two hospital sh ships hit, ten battleships were hit, nineteen aircraft carriers, eight large supply ships, and two hundred other ships and crafts. The fleet lost seven hundred and sixty-eight aircraft. The um, there was actually more more sailors were actually killed at Okinawa at Okinawa than there were Marines killed on Iwo Jima. Okinawa was the greatest naval. Armada in the history, 43 aircraft carriers, 18 battleships, 200 destroyers, hundreds of transports, some 1,321 ships transported 180,000 men assault troops into the Japanese waters. The invasion was envisioned as a quick operation lasting a month or less. The intelligence estimated that the enemy had about 55,000 to 65,000 troops on the island and 198 artillery pieces of, of uh, major caliber, but the intelligence was to be rudely surprised in the hopes of a quick victory were soon to bog down. There was more than 110,000 enemy to die, 7,400 to surrender, 
more than 26,000 Americans were killed or wounded in the in the last battle of World War II. We won. Hmm? We won. Yeah, we, we won. won. <laughs> we won. We won. Stan, Stan, do you remember where you were and the feelings you felt when you you found out the war was over, that the Japanese had surrendered? I was I was on shore duty in Maryland Navy Yard and lived in the San Francisco department, and my wife and I were my wife and I were listening to the radio and news and so forth, and it announced the war ended. And we both started dancing. And we were glad the war was over with. Too many people got killed. But the more Japs got killed than there was Americans. Thank you, Stan. One thing I'd like to uh, note is doing Vetro like we have for several years now, the stories that we have heard are just amazing. Um, just a couple quick examples somebody had asked about were about the end of the war. Um, in Elkhorn, there's a, a couple brothers that live over there. There was actually three of them that served in the, the jungles in India in what they call Flying the Hump, China-Burma-India theater over there. They actually didn't know the war was over until 30 days after the Japanese had surrendered. They were still fighting in the jungles. Then they had to make their way back out of the jungles to the China Sea, from the China Sea to the Indian Ocean, from the Indian Ocean to the Pacific, got caught in a, a, um, a typhoon on the way back, had a ship that was with them that went down, a troop ship. So the war was over, and we lost thousands of troops because of that storm. Um, there's another gentleman um, that uh, lived in Racine. He's passed away now, Marvel Zlansky. And he was on Guam, and somebody had asked a question here about the other islands there after Pearl Harbor. And on December 8th of 1941, one day after Pearl Harbor, the Japanese swept through the South Pacific to take control of the islands strategically. Well, Marvel Zlansky was one of 160, I believe it was, Marines that were captured. They go from this island paradise like he had in Pearl Harbor to being a POW. Marv served every day of World War II plus another 30 days in a slave labor camp in Japan off the island of Japan, shoveling coal and just, he was down under 80 pounds, he estimated, when they were rescued. When the Japanese finally knew that they were going to lose the war, they fled the camp. They had the prisoners dig their own graves. And the prisoners were waiting to be shot and just pushed into these graves. But the Americans came in overhead. The Japanese hit the jungles and abandoned the camp. And they went two more weeks with no supplies or anything until they were rescued. There's another gentleman in Janesville. He's passed away now. He was taken prisoner of war by the Germans. And they were packed into these troop trains to take them to these stalags. And they were packed into these things so tight that if a guy would pass out, he wouldn't hit the floor. They just stayed upright, even if they died. And um, and they came in, and an American, they saw the, the American Air Corps saw these German trains going down. They started to bomb them, and uh, what they called strafing. And they hit his train and blew the doors open on it, and all these prisoners came tumbling out. And as they tried to get away, the Germans, uh, one of them hit this guy right in the back and broke his back. And... And then he was a POW for almost two years. And um, and one last one that I've heard of, um, this actually is the Korean War, which is uh, referred to as the Forgotten War, fell in between Vietnam and World War II. Um, this gentleman, in, uh, Grant McMillan, still living in Elkhorn, 
Uh, he was in the Chosen Reservoir, which is some of the worst fighting conditions in the history of the United States military. Eight days in a row of minus 30 Fahrenheit temperatures. And they were in the Chosen Valley, and the Chinese, um, they estimate over 100,000 Chinese came over this ridge into the Chosen Reservoir. Only the front lines of the Chinese had rifles. The back ones carried wooden guns. The Americans didn't know that. They're out there, they're shooting up all their ammo at all these guys invading the Chosen Reservoir until the Americans shot up their ammo. And the Chinese uh, strategy on that was as the front rows were mowed down, they were just expendable. And the ones coming in the back wave were the older guys. These were like high school age kids in the front or teenagers. And they would pick up the actual guns and keep on advancing. And finally they, they captured uh, Grant and, and hundreds, probably thousands of others, they took him as a POW to a Chinese prisoner of war camp for almost three years. And while he was in that camp, there was a fellow prisoner that was dying of trench foot. His, his lower legs had basically rotted. Um, and Grant risked his life, found a pair of scissors, and amputated both the other guy's lower legs, saved his life. And then the government tried to court-martial him because that wasn't his MOS for what he did. He had to defend himself at his own cost. <laughs> Decades later... Grant was on a trip, I think it was in Florida, and he met up with this guy whose life he had saved. And he didn't know what the guy would think. And the guy thanked him, hugged him. He says, if you not risked your life, he says, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have a wife, kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews. He says, you risked your life. You know, and it was just incredible. These stories are out there, and they're underneath these hats. Got to sit down and talk to those stories under those hats. They're just amazing stories. Stan? Can you describe what it was like on December 8th, the day after the attack, when the smoke was starting to clear? And what was it like? What, what did you What did you experience? Uh, still a very uh, red place. A lot, of, a lot of blood was pouring. Uh, a lot of people were dying. They got a hate for what the Japanese were done to people. People ask me how what I felt when I did these things. And I says, I didn't do these things just to be evil. I did these things to save my life and stop them from taking the lives from our, our country. And that's what we were fighting for. Thank you, Stan. And our final selection will be dedicated particularly to our Navy veterans here. Um, it's known as the Navy Hymn, and we will be singing two verses of that. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arms shall find the restless way, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limitless key. Oh, Protect the 
I do want to make a little comment about the Navy hymn, Eternal Father. Uh, I remember as a youngster when black and white TV came in, and usually during the month of December, Ed Sullivan show, uh, probably the break, the Sunday before Christmas, he always had the uh, Navy Choir from Annapolis and the Cadet Choir from uh, West Point. And uh, they would sing their, their school songs, and uh, the uh, midshipmen would always close the program with Eternal Father. I think it's a beautiful hymn, but that's my feeling. I hope you enjoy it. And again, thank you very much, Spare Parts, for the wonderful music this evening. Fort Community Credit Union is owned by their account holders or members, where every member has the same share no matter how much money is in their account. With more than 32,000 no-fee ATMs nationwide and a free mobile app, FCCU wants to make banking easy for you. Membership is open to anyone living or working in Dane, Dodge, Jefferson, Rock, Walworth, and Waukesha counties. Details are available by visiting fortcommunity.com. NHL star Matt Martin for American Humane. I've had my fair share of bruises and injuries. But for many who put their lives on the line every day, it's not always the injuries you can see that hurt the most. Every single day, 184 veterans are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. When medications and therapy don't help, professionally trained service dogs can American Humane has created a free guide to help veterans obtain these life-saving animals. For help, please go to AmericanHumane.org. Do you have a disability? There are a record number of Americans who do. Many of us are able to live productive lives with the help of training and employment centers, but some of these centers are at risk of being shut down. The A-Team of Wisconsin is a volunteer-led team dedicated to preserving rights for people with disabilities. You can help too. Visit ateamwisconsin.org. United for Choice. What happens when you pair veterans, service members, military family members, and caregivers with the arts? You get the Armed Services Arts Partnership, or ASAP. They're a nonprofit that provides participants with transferable life skills, a renewed sense of purpose, and improved well-being, while strengthening ties between veterans and their communities through the arts. Visit ASAP, ASAP.org, to learn more about their programs or to make a donation. All right. Again, thanks to Ron, Don, Dan. <laughs> Dang, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, and a color guy, gosh, yeah. Thank you, fellas. I want to thank you all. God bless America. Boy, thank of that. Thank of that. You've been listening to our special Team Day presentation of the 2018 Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day broadcast sponsored by the U.S. Veterans Project Library. We'd like to thank Mr. Donald Millar of U.S. Veterans Project Library and Mr. Mark Finnegan of Vets Roll for hosting our presentation. Mr. Stan Van Hoos and Mr. George Olson as our special guests. Fort Community Credit Union as the Teen Day Sponsorship Team. Musical entertainment provided by the Spare Parts Quartet, courtesy of Yahara River Chorus. 
addressed to Congress asking fate of war to be declared against Japan speech courtesy of the FDR library. Our background music was provided by Rhythm of Honor courtesy of Goodnight Kiss Records used by permission. You can visit our Teen Day Broadcast Facebook page for assignments, events, and activities. And on behalf of the entire Teen Day Broadcast team, we thank you for listening. And remember to show your appreciation and gratitude to our troops and veterans.